Welcome back. And my good friend, close colleague, and revered mentor on an awful lot of issues, Robert Spencer is with us virtually. We're delighted to have him. He is the author of innumerable books, including The Truth About Muhammad. He is also a senior fellow of our Center for Security Policy, but best known perhaps for his life's work, which has been uh, the terrific online resource, jihadwatch.org, a project of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Always glad to have Robert with us. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Frank. Always good to talk to you. Well, there's a lot to talk about um, in your part of the battle space, Robert. Uh, Let's start with jihad, a subject on which you are deeply knowledgeable, written extensively, and not least at uh, Front Page Magazine and, um, of course, at PJ Media. You've been talking about the problem that we currently have uh, and that we're likely to have a lot more of as the Taliban becomes emboldened uh, by the continuing flow of money and other concessions being made by the West, including our own government. Um, What is that likely to mean uh, for jihad, uh, both on their part and perhaps by others they're associated with, sir? Well, Frank, very simply, it's going to mean more jihad, as the Taliban made it very clear when they took over in Afghanistan last year that they were going now to expand their jihad efforts to the surrounding region. And that means more jihad activity in India in particular, but also elsewhere in the area. We're, we're hearing about Pakistan, among other places. Is that yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And of course, Pakistan actually has a Taliban branch. And so they'll be working hand in glove with the Taliban in Afghanistan, and we will certainly be hearing from them. Meanwhile, the UN, the United States, they're completely engaged in wishful thinking. The UN just voted, the Security Council voted to continue humanitarian aid to Afghanistan and included an assurance that this money would not go to the Taliban, with absolutely, of course, no explanation of how they plan to keep the money from the Taliban, which is the only significant power in the country right now. Right. And actually runs the government, uh, last time I checked. So this sounds as though this is um, essentially new underwriting for the business of the Taliban, namely jihad. And that, of course, Robert, as we talked about with Sam Faddis last week, comes on top of the, what is it, $85 billion worth of advanced weaponry that we put in their hands at Bagram and elsewhere. Uh, It it does seem as though um, this would be a problem in its own right, but is it true that the Taliban remains tied to organizations like uh, Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State and others? And are they also training up and equipping up, presumably, in Afghanistan? Yeah, very much so, Frank. The whole media uh, myth that ISIS-K is at odds with the Taliban, that is the Khorasan province, the Islamic State's uh, presence in Afghanistan, is somehow competing with or fighting against the Taliban, this is wildly overblown. The ISIS group has taken exception to the Taliban's focus on Afghanistan, but the Taliban itself has said repeatedly that it's going to expand its operations outside Afghanistan, and that means it's going to be working hand in glove with ISIS and with al-Qaeda, which also has been documented as having a continued presence in Afghanistan, despite assurances by Joe Biden to the contrary. 
Let me ask you the money question here. Uh, do you agree with Sam Fettis, um, who spent a lot of time working against these guys, of course, as a CIA operative in Pakistan, Robert, <clears throat> that it's not just in places like Pakistan that you're going to see this uh, jihad taking place. It will be coming here as well. And if that's the case, would you anticipate that at least some of the 100,000 or so Afghans we rushed over here when we surrendered Afghanistan will be participating in that jihad? There's just no doubt about it, Frank. You know, what would be really surprising would be if none of those Afghans that we brought over participated in jihad, because the Biden administration has now admitted that the overwhelming majority of over 125,000 Afghans that are now in the United States were not vetted, not vetted at all. And the only vetting that was even possible in the first place was to compare their names to various criminal and terrorist databases. Now, that may have caught a few people, but the fact is that there was a massive brisk business in false identifications in Kabul and in the surrounding areas toward the end of the American presence there. And so in the first place, we don't have any real assurance that these people are who they say they are. They have not been vetted. Even if they were vetted, it's very likely that some of them have gotten through. There have already been arrests of several of the so-called refugees for violating American law in ways that correspond with Afghan cultural norms. One thing that is absolutely certain is that from these Afghan refugees, we're going to have more of this kind of societal disruption and above all, more jihad. And I think it's correct to say that a good number of them, if not actually a majority of the 125,000, I didn't realize it was that high, are military age men to boot. So again, uh, my favorite ask is, what could possibly go wrong here? Robert, we're going to have to pause for just a moment uh, in a second, but I, I did want to just tee up another topic with you, and that is uh, another engine of jihadism in the world, of course, is the Iranian regime. There are reports that this deal that the Biden administration has maniacally pursued with the mullahs will result in a transfer of $10 billion additional dollars to them. Is that your understanding very quickly? Yes, and it's actually worse. $150 billion are is set to go to the Islamic regime if this deal goes through. My Lord. Well, we're going to drill down on that because uh, we transferred $150 billion to them under Obama, as I recall. Pallets of cash, people may remember. And uh, the upshot of it was not an end to the nuclear weapons program, certainly not the nuclear weapons ambitions of the mullahs uh, last time I checked, nor I think will it be in this case either, Robert Spencer. When we come back, I want to visit with you about what it means that you have a jihadist regime bent on achieving what they believe is Allah's will, namely the triumph of Sharia over the entire world, able to wield nuclear weapons to that end. It's a chilling thought, and we're going to talk about what it might mean in practice. Robert Spencer is our guest of jihadwatch.org. We'll be right back with more with Robert Spencer after this. <laughs> 